You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Dallas After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Dallas After Show. I love that intro music. (laughs) So powerful. I know, right? What's up, cowboys and cowgirls? Bing is for doing. We're here at AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, doing another live after show for Dallas, season two, episode five, Trial and Error. I'm your host, AJ Gibson, joined by the lovely Kelly Oliski. What's up, Kelly? Hi. How are Great you? Great episode. I'm Such good. a good episode. I'm so excited to talk about this. Clearly. Look at that energy level, everyone. She's <laughs> I'm, so excited. I'm, pro- I'm processing it all in my head right now. I have my notes. It's, there's always so much. I want to make sure that we go through and we don't miss anything. It's big. a lot. This show it like stresses me out sometimes. It's, it's so, so complicated. <laughs> like every one of these storylines, keep in mind, this this we say episode uh, five of season two, it's really episode what of season tw- like 20 yeah, i mean I know. How, how many original se- seasons 14 or 15 so we're essentially yeah. on about season 16 right now and and they've actually been able to really tie in the old stories with the new stories mm-hmm. and new characters um it's just so wild to think that this show is doing so well and is so relevant so current Oh, Having absolutely. first aired in 1979. I know. It's and exciting. I know that, you know, sometimes we may reference something because it's like the last episode is all four episodes to us. There's so many things that happen and kind of cross between and all of that. So. And also, let's keep in mind, we both watched this episode at like 6 a.m. this morning. We've got a lot <laughs> going on. True. So this is true. I, I was taking notes on my couch, like <laughs> drinking coffee, trying to stay awake and, and watch Dallas. But uh, it was worth it, you guys, this season. I'm so excited to be covering this show. Yeah, um, it's great. So, uh, Anne. Anne, Anne, Anne. She's all over this episode, mm-hmm. and she should be. Um, the episode starts off with her confronting Ryland, Harris Ryland in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, she's basically just, she lays into him. How could you do this? How could you, how could you go after Bobby? How could you, you know, say that he did this and whatever? And Emma overhears it. Right. Emma, her daughter, who was taken away from her 20 years ago by Ryland, um, which is really the, the was what really ignited this whole fire. Yeah, this whole fire it's storm. the heart of all of this drama yeah. that's been going on between the two of them. And when she goes to trial, we find out a little bit more about that story and what happened, yeah. which I liked to I, get a back a, a, more of a backstory on Anne. Right. Well, Anne's just frustrated. She's thinking Bobby's going to go down for this. He shouldn't. This man loves me. He would. He's willing to do this for me. I can't let him do this for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and. As she leaves the hospital, she looks down on the boots she's wearing, and she sees blood on one of the toes. Mm-hmm. She's thinking, and this is so odd to me, but she's thinking, okay, I can prove that I did it. Yep. Which is so crazy that, like, 
She's so upset that she can't prove that she actually shot Ryland. Because yep. Ryland, when he came out of his coma, for those of you, you obviously watched this last week, but he came out of the coma and said that Bobby did it. Because he just, he just hates Anne so much, and he wants her to, he knows that he's already taken her daughter from her. Now he wants to take her husband from her and just destroy this woman for whatever reason. Well, I think it's his mother, which <clears throat> comes more to light throughout the trial. I think she's the puppet master behind this, behind the two of them, behind Emma and Ryland. And I think he's just been brainwashed for so long. Because I don't believe that he was necessarily this evil of a person all Throughout their entire relationship. Yeah, and they kind of allude to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, Judith, his mother, is just absolutely nuts. She is one fantastic character, I'll tell you that. She is scary and creepy and all wrapped in one. How fun to have the opportunity to play a character like that at that point in your career. I know. She's been around, she's been around forever. Um, we were watching her on uh, uh, Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss? Years ago, <laughs> I grew up with her on Who's the Boss. Yeah. And, and she was so like carefree and loving and and just a mother and she's a mother on this show but in a completely different way right and she had a stint on ugly betty where she was like the alcoholic mother of daniel yeah but she she's such a great actress and she plays this part so well because you're not used to seeing her that evil right and she is really evil on the show it's interesting to me also the character of emma and how she's slowly starting to evolve. The very first time we saw Emma at the out at the ranch when mm-hmm. when um, Anne met her and she was riding, um, she was very cold, and she mm-hmm. wanted nothing to do with Anne. Um, but we didn't really understand why. But as the episodes have progressed, the seasons progressed, we're starting to find out that Emma's really been brainwashed by Judith and by Ryland, mm-hmm. um, by Harris, and and she questions her dad. I think she's scared of them <clears throat> a little bit. Completely. You see yeah. that later in the trial. She's mm-hmm. terrified. Um, but at the beginning, she questions her dad, and you, you can tell she's a little bit suspicious. Um, and and he, I wrote down, he's slime. To be able to just lie to your daughter like that, it's so second nature to him, but he's been doing it her entire life since she was 18 months old. What about Judith's response? This isn't something for you to question. I mean, how and, – and she just shut up right away and was like, I'm sorry, I just didn't understand. Well, let's look at that a little bit because this, this whole – this – relationship between Judith Ryland and Emma is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think it's really all that far-fetched, really. Um, I don't really come from money, but it seems that if you're raised in the lifestyle she's raised in, mm-hmm. you don't want to lose that. Exactly. If all you've ever known <clears throat> is wealth and having everything at your fingertips at the drop of a dime, and this man and this woman, essentially Judith is her mom. For all intents and purposes, Ryland never moved moved on. There's never another woman as far as we know. It's always been Judith, mm-hmm. just how she always wanted it. Super creepy. Exactly. And so for Emma, though, Judith is really her mom. So when she looks at Anne, I can't even imagine what she feels. We talked about this a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. I, I had a sister I met in high school. She's my sister by blood, but I don't really know her. I have no connection to her, you know? And, and I, I wondered if that was a bad thing for a while, and I, if I should feel guilty about that, but I never really have. Mm-hmm. So I can really relate to Emma here. Like, maybe she just doesn't feel a lot of guilt, but as, as, as the episode progresses, we see that she actually does. And there's this little, little slight glimmers of hope, I think, for she and Anne's relationship, if yeah. Anne can beat this charge. Right. And for a minute there, I <clears throat> thought that she was because she she definitely looks more confused and she's not as sure as she was before that Anne is this evil person and listening to everything come to fruition in the trial and both sides of the story, you know, and especially with Judith's outburst and how ridiculous that she was trying to really make Anne 
look like such a horrible person. Right. So we actually have a caller on the line. We're going to go to the line oh, awesome. and see who we have. This is AJ. Who do we have on the line? Courtney. Courtney, did you call me earlier? Yes. You called me during my last show. I'm so glad you called back. How are you? Bye. Where are you calling from, Courtney? D.C. D.C. What's up, D.C.? So, you're a big fan of Dallas, yes? Yes. What do you have for us? Do you have questions? Do you want to share something with us? Um, I just want to talk about John Ross and Rebecca. Okay. Pamela. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love them. You like? Do you like them together? Yes. Really? Why? Why so? Because if you um, look at the interviews that John Ross, Josh Henderson gave, uh-huh. yeah. he was like, they're just like a Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. And I feel that they are because what's different between their relationship and Bobby and the original Pamela uh-huh. was that both of their fathers didn't like, you know, it was different when they, their brothers didn't like it, but this is their father's. That's interesting. Hmm. It is very interesting, actually, because the way John Ross, John Ross's relationship with his dad is is similar in some ways to what Bobby's was with his dad. Because the, in the original Dallas, uh, uh, what's his name, Jock, mm-hmm. Jock really, he loved both of his sons, but he had a bit of a connection with J.R. that he didn't really ever have with Bobby. Um, and I think John Ross was raised that same way. He didn't really have the connection with the JR growing up. He always felt like he was never enough for him. So now it might be manifesting that he's going for another another Barnes in the same way that Bobby did all those years ago. On the flip side of it, though, they're showing the the dark to the shade. Does that make sense? They're showing the darker side of of what a Romeo and Juliet story could be. Right. Yeah. And plus, I feel that like they both want their father's love mm-hmm. and will do anything to get it. But John Ross is the type that says, F you day at some point and mm-hmm. Rebecca will just do anything Cliff says. Right. It'll be interesting. And we saw it in this we saw it in this episode because he was like, F my father, let's go out to eat. Mm-hmm. She was like, No, my father said no. As much, as much as she maybe does actually want to go out to dinner with them, because I think she does. I think there is a. I think she does have some emotion there for sure that she's trying to fight. That she's trying to fight back. And plus, they're they're they grew up very similar, and I think that's one of the things that's going to draw them to each other because they're both just looking for love, and neither one of them and feel I want, it. I wanted to say something real quick about the whole. Everybody hating on Pamela because I can't stand Christopher. I can't. <laughs> well, I know. I was talking with some people on YouTube that he is really bratty, which we talked about last last yeah. week. But he's just being a really big brat. And it's just, I mean, he came around a little bit this episode, but he's hes getting on my nerves, too. Especially that scene where he said, she said, read between the lines. Yeah, I like she's that. Darling out here. When we were together, when I was praying, I was like, "You tell him." And <laughs> I, I was like, I was on YouTube, and I was like, "Everybody don't like Pamela because she did what she did to Tommy." I said, and I said, she did the same thing Andy did. She was just protecting her child. Oh, I like that actually because mm-hmm. it's interesting this season that Christopher and Elena. We were kind of pulling for them to get together last year. At least I was, and now that they're actually together, I don't enjoy them near as much. I, I, I don't think either. both their characters are a little bit bland right now. They're kind of boring. And I really, as I get to know Pamela, Rebecca, whoever she is now, <laughs> as I get to know her character a little bit more, I really like her. And 
I feel like Josh Henderson has really upped his game this year, mm -hmm. I, this season. I feel like he's actually kind of stepping into those shoes, you know, that Larry Hagman's big, big shoes um, that Larry Hagman has. And I, I feel like the, the storyline between Rebecca and John Ross is really starting to take off, uh, or Pamela and John Ross. But I also, I, I, I'm just going to call it right now, <laughs> be very careful of Christopher, because I think Christopher is still very much in the picture as far as, far as Pamela is concerned. The episode, the scene later in, in mm -hmm. the courthouse where he touches the baby, the belly. Because all of a sudden she's got a belly. It's yes. one month later. One month later. She's got a belly. I, I know. I wanted to say something to y'all say last week that she might not be pregnant when well, she's pregnant now. Yeah, that's now what, she yeah, is. That's what we kept saying, too. We're like, how is she still wearing these pencil skirts and looking so <laughs> phenomenal when she's supposed to be however many months pregnant? With twins. Oh. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in, Courtney. Enjoy the okay, rest of your bye. night. Feel free to call in throughout the season. Also, get on iTunes and, uh, and YouTube and leave us comments. We'll write back. Thank you. Okay. Take care, doll. Bye. 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 I love when, like, big fans of the show call in. Yeah. That's cool. No, it's great, especially when they're really knowledgeable about what's and going on. It's so interesting, and that's what's so great about a good, a good uh, drama like this is that I never considered that perspective. The doing I, what Anne did. Yeah. yeah. I, I never looked at it that way. And that's the cool thing about good writing is that everybody takes something different from the show. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I can relate to Emma, Emma's character right. because of, of that whole dynamic. Whereas Courtney, who just called in, it relates. She understands the dynamic with John Ross and his father and with Pamela and her father and Anne. It's interesting. And I kind of feel that were their childhoods different, maybe Pam... And John Ross wouldn't be so conniving in the way that they were. And they could just be normal mm -hmm. and not always out to get somebody. Always having to do the un something underhanded. They can't just do anything right. It always has to be tricky. Because Cliff Barnes didn't used to be like that. Mm -hmm. Cliff Barnes was not raised the same way that Pamela was raised at all. Mm -hmm. He was a good guy. In those early seasons of the original Dallas, he was a good person. He got screwed over by the Ewing family right. so often, particularly by Jock and then later by J.R., um, not so much Bobby, um, but out of necessity, he became this person that he is now. Mm -hmm. And there's a, it's interesting because for all I can see, Cliff Barnes is just pure evil now. He has moments where, out of respect, he reached out to J.R. in this episode, and then the way he talked to John Ross last do week. Do you think it was respect, or do you think it was taunting? I don't know. Um, it, I think Jr. took it as taunting, but I think that whether either of them would ever admit it, both of these men, I'm um, talking about their characters, about J mm -hmm. uh, Jr. and and Cliff Barnes, I I think that there there has to be a certain level of respect, just yeah. like with anything. I think if you're two candidates running for the presidency and you're at each other's throats every single day, there's still an underlying mutual respect at the end of the day. Because you know, you know how hard it is to be at that level. When you're LeBron James and Kobe Bryant playing each other on the basketball court, you know, how many times a season, there's a level of respect. Whether you guys really, really care about each other or yeah. not is a completely different story, but you respect each other. I feel like that's kind of what it is with, John, with uh, JR and with Cliff Barnes. Well, They've been through everything together. And they true. are who they are because of each other. They would never be the people that they are. Cliff Barnes would never be this successful had it not been for JR. Making him fight to be, to get that exactly. Absolutely, he wanted to be a man of the people. He was an attorney back in the day and fighting for the fighting the good fight. Yeah, and there would be no such thing as as Barnes Barnes global. International Global. Barnes yeah, global. without mm -hmm. without the Ewings. Yeah, which is and a sometimes classic story. it takes that it takes somebody antagonizing you to really light that fire and get you to 
give you that drive that you need. Not that he needed to really go the same direction mm-hmm. and be that evil, but still, it did force him to kind of get it together and well, strive that I, much I harder. I think it's a very common theme in life. I think that mm-hmm. it, a way that most people could probably re- relate, just to put it in a context that makes it a little more understandable for people. I know that um, for myself, my biggest successes have always come after my biggest disappointments. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, it's a relationship that goes wrong. You know, yeah. maybe the relationship pushed me, drove me in a certain direction. And at the time, you think it's eh, everything's bad and you're never going to, you know, get out of the situation. But on the other side of it, it's so much better than it ever was. I think that's the same thing for these guys because they're not in a traditional relationship. But Cliff Barnes and J.R. Ewing have very much been in relationships since the late 70s. Absolutely. You know, whether they love it or hate it. the other. Exactly. Yeah. And they know that mm-hmm. um, in a weird way. As much as JR hates the Barnes name, they're kind of like family. Yeah, and this relationship between their two kids is like poetic justice. I mean, that's kind of what they get. Well, like, it's it, always going to, I think, I feel like it's always going to continue to be that struggle with them intertwined. It, it is, it is the classic Romeo and Juliet story. As mm-hmm. much as you want to fight it, as much as they fought Pamela and Bobby together back in, back in the day, yeah. now they're fighting Pamela with Christopher, then Pamela with John Ross. The more you fight it, the less it's going to do. Yeah. It's like that with anything. You raise your kids that you can't eat potato chips yeah. or whatever it is you try to keep from them. What are they going to do when they well, move out of the house and, and eat potato you chips? Know, and the original Pamela, she didn't start off being evil. You know, it, it, it went that way. No. And it just kind of, you know, JR and the Ewings have that way of just bringing out the worst in they you. They absolutely do. They just really do. Well, <laughs> let's talk about this court case a little bit. Um, let's talk about Anne, Okay. Um, first of all, we're in the courthouse and it starts off with Judith testifying and she's just nuts. And she actually is warned by the judge. She's going to be held in contempt of court. And the judge says, get her out of here and wipe everything. She's none of that's admissible Mm -hmm. because she's just crazy, which I liked. I loved that. I'm glad. So happy that they did that. I'm glad the jury got to see that because whether it's admissible or not, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Jury members are still human. You can tell them to forget it, but they're not really going to forget it. No, and I hope that they saw it the same way we saw it, that she really is crazy. It wasn't looking out for her child. It was these crazy accusations. Well, apparently not because they end up finding— Well, I mean, at the but, end of the day, she still shot him. So what are you going to do? Exactly. I mean, realistically, if you're on that jury and you're hearing both of this— and the poli- I think it was more the police testifying in the logistics and the ballistics of it, mm-hmm. that it was a premeditated— she walked in, she did this, she left— she was there for five minutes. Yeah. She went, she had a job to do, she did it, and she left. And and like uh, one of the officers, I think it was, um, when he testified, he said, in his opinion, it was an execution. Right. When you shoot somebody one time, yeah. you, you, went there, you went there with a purpose. You didn't get freaked out. You weren't trying to defend yourself because... If somebody came after me and a gun went off, I'd probably shoot and shoot and shoot because I'd be terrified. Well, and where the gunshot was, it was one centimeter, a little bit. I mean, one centimeter away, and he would have been dead. So close. Yeah, but is that a good thing or not? Do we wish he would have died? No. Would she have any chance in court? No. I don't know how she has a chance to begin with, but that's the interesting thing about these types of shows. When well, just when you think there's no way on earth she can get out of this, you know she, she will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I don't. I really wish her character would have gone into more detail about what he said to her 
to provoke her to shoot him. Those cruel, evil things that he was telling her, admitting everything that he did to her on purpose so that Emma could have heard that. Well, how about Emma's reactions while she heard what she did here? Yeah. Emma looked like she sat in that courtroom and she was sitting next to her dad and Judith just, she looked uncomfortable. And she was teary-eyed and she was almost crying. And, and when the verdict was read, she ran out crying. Mm-hmm. Well, and just to back up mm-hmm. slightly, right before they went back into the courthouse, before the verdict was read, Christopher approached approached Emma outside mm-hmm. uh, in like a little seating area and just said, she's like, please don't, please don't sit down. You know, my dad and, and Judith are coming back. And he's like, I, I have to do this. This is my, you know, his stepmom, but his mom for all intents and yeah. purposes. And he sits down. And he's like, you can't do this. She, she's had everything taken from her already. These people, they brainwashed you essentially. And she's a good woman. She's a good woman. And we see in the, in the, in during the trial that, uh, Pamela actually testifies on Anne's behalf, right. which I thought went a long way in helping her to get back to some sort of decent standing with the Ewing family. Mm-hmm. And then Sue Ellen's testimony. And again, we talk about this every week. I love the relationship between Anne and Sue Ellen. Well, and I like how she talks about how they met and what they were doing. And she threw in there that it was for a battered women's charity, that that's how they came together. Mm-hmm. And... I, I just wish that Anne would have gone into a little bit more detail about what was actually done to her. So, it, I mean, her story, although it was heartbreaking, it, it was still not enough, I felt, to, to give a jury the right to, to get, you know. Well, why do you think she didn't? Do you think that, I think that was, it was a cal- spare it, Emma? Exactly. And mm-hmm. that's what I was going to say. I think that it's, it's oh gosh, what is the story, not to get biblical, but the story with, with the mother and the child, uh, the two women are fighting over the child. And in the one, oh yeah, uh, uh, the, the true mother says, "Take." The, they say, "Okay, I'm going to cut the baby in half, and you each take half." Mm-hmm. The real mother says, "Take, take the baby." Them. Yeah, and that's. I think that's kind of what I, I'm. I went to Catholic school. I'm really good with my <laughs> Bible references tonight. But but I think that's very much what happened in this scenario. I think Anne was trying to spare Emma. And I think she said just just enough, but not too much because she was trying, was thinking of her feelings. And also, as far as she knows right now, Emma still wants nothing to do with her. Right. And she doesn't want to push it too far too quickly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very, very fine line, a very delicate balance, I think, with this with this scenario with her daughter, who she doesn't even know. Um, and it's, I, I use this word a lot, it's just inappropriate to do it in a courtroom. And it shows you I, how much she does love her daughter, that she's willing to sacrifice herself. Which I hope that Emma sees, and I hope that when she stops and thinks about this, that she will realize that it could have gotten a lot uglier the way Judith was getting ugly on her, Uh but Anne didn't do that back. And I think, I think, and here's where it's going to get interesting, I think Emma does see it, Mm. whether she has the courage to do something about it. That's the real question. It's going to be a different, do I sound funny to you right now? I have a weird. Oh, you have a weird like. Vibration in my mic. What is that? It's my, a weird static. My, my it might be the cord and stuff. Just oh, okay. wiggle the cord a just, bit. I'm just going to wiggle, wiggle it, it and see what happens. Just a little you bit. static. Okay, it's cool. You know what? <laughs> static. I just want to make sure there's not some earthquake or something going on out here in California. <laughs> I get a little scared. Don't even. Don't even. I can't deal with that. <laughs> Is that better? That's no, not at all. Cool. Well, fantastic. <laughs> Moving forward. I could switch mics. Um, no. So, eventually, mm-hmm. the jury comes back. and And as they're waiting for the jury verdict... Um, their attorney. What's his name again? Um, Terrible. I can't think of his oh name. Oh my gosh, it just totally left my mind. Anyway. Their attorney going, says, yes. the longer they're out, the better. Mm-hmm. And almost instantly gets a phone call. Yeah. They're back. Not good for Anne, right? No. Which, 
you kind of know going into this, there's no way she could have gotten acquitted that fast. It's not enough drama. You know, she's going to have to go through something. It would have been too easy, and I think it would have really disappointed the audience had she gotten off that quickly. Well, my fear was that... um, My fear was that knowing that that Larry Hagman is leaving the series in another episode or two, mm-hmm. um, that they were going to try to rush it. I was afraid yeah. that was going to happen. Um, and so when she when she was found guilty, I was like, okay, they're going to draw this out, maybe put it on the back burner for an episode or two, or this is leading up to everything that's about to go down with, with the death of J.R. on the show. I mean, it could be the perfect tie-in. And in a way that they didn't have to rush it. And I think that's what's so great about the writers and the way they do take care of this show and really think about their audience because I you have to really do this with kid gloves. This is a big deal. It's a big show. It's it's really close to some to, to some people's as a part of people's lives. They really get into it. The show was on and the air before I was born. <laughs> I know. And I'm almost watching it. Yeah, it's 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 and they're handling it with such care, which is what I really appreciate. And I'm glad that they're not rushing and they're not taking that for granted and they're taking their time. My mom just tells me the Bible stories about King Solomon. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> really? The last person on earth I ever expected to, to help me with a Bible <laughs> reference. I love you, Mom. Uh, but that's too funny. I need but, to brush up on my Catholic I know, style. right? It's been a while. It's been a while. No, but I, I, um, I, 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 I'm really curious to see how this all plays out. Yeah. Um, and what I love is that the, share, the show is so layered that – it's they're so lucky well they're not lucky they should be very happy that they're so good at what they do because they had to know that larry hagman's time was coming and he didn't have a lot of time left on the show so they wrote all these storylines in a way that now leading up to his his death there are so many different directions they could take it right and i think they probably planned for that i'm sure they shot all kinds of scenes in preparation for this and Mm -hmm. i'm sure he i'm sure he Everything I know about him from seeing interviews and reading about him, I'm sure he wanted everything, all the bases covered. Oh, absolutely. Because this is, this is his heart and soul, this show has been. And like his son said in an interview recently that this show, coming back to the show, kept him alive the last couple of years. Yeah. And gave him something to live for. And you talk about handling the, the situation with kid gloves, and it's so true. There aren't many... Many characters in the history of television, and that's a pretty big statement, but in the history of television that have been as iconic as Larry Hagman. Oh, no. I mean, he's played yeah. two huge characters, you know, um, Bewitched. and no, Not Bewitched. Uh, I Dream of Genie. I Dream of Genie, Same yeah. Same show, right? <laughs> I Dream of Genie, and then, then Dallas. And J.R. is the villain of all villains. Oh, absolutely. So I, I get emotional, but I'm excited to see the next couple of episodes. I am too. They're going to be very bittersweet for sure. Mm. And well, I want to ask our iTunes fans what they, what their favorite memories of Jr. are. I think we asked you that last week, but I also want to know what are you guys, what are you guys going to miss most about Jr. I know we all t- we always talk about his one liners on this show and and his his snarky eyebrows. his eyebrows, <laughs> uh, his eyebrow, uh, his snarky <laughs> comebacks. Um, but what are you guys going to miss about Larry Hagman on the show as we as we head into his what we think is his final episode? Um, so please get on iTunes, leave us comments. We will comment back. I love to get the conversation, uh, keep the conversation going on mm-hmm. iTunes after after the show. Also, please give us five stars, you guys, if you'd like what we're doing let us know it by giving us five stars and Absolutely. by telling your friends about us um that's the only way we continue to grow we're up to almost how many how many million podcast downloads per week 25 
25 million a week in nearly 80 countries, you guys, around the world. Fantastic. So After Buzz is growing by leaps and bounds. We're so excited to be a part of it, but we couldn't do any of this, guys, without you. So please, please, please get on iTunes. Also, if you guys have an iPhone, there's there's an app for your iPhone called Podcast with an S, where you can have all of your favorite AfterBuzz shows automatically downloaded to your phone each and every day, so you can listen to us. Uh, at in, your leisure. At your leisure. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for the save, Kelly. Also, you guys, if you guys get on uh, YouTube and watch us on YouTube, leave us comments there as well, and we will comment back. So Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And if you don't want to give us five stars, don't give us any. I'm just playing. You can tell. You know what? If you want to give me one star, that means I, I deserve honest. it. Be honest. Be honest. I deserve it. But don't think I won't start a conversation with you afterwards to find out how I can improve just for you. So, moving on. Who do we want right. to talk about next? Let's touch on Drew just briefly. Okay. His character and his storyline because it's not super relevant yet. I feel like they're trying to... Um, make Elena's character more relevant down the road and keep her kind of tied into all of this because right. now that she's back in the Ewing household and she's, well, she actually was living there last season, but now that she's back as part of the family and she's with Christopher again, her character's a little boring right now to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that bringing Drew into the picture, this brother that we never heard mentioned, I don't believe, in season one, um, yeah. now he's in the picture. I don't think and so. Yeah. He he has a sordid past, and he's trying to make amends with his sister and with his mother. He's back at South Fork, and he's now working for her right. on uh, this, trying to drill on the Henderson Ranch, which didn't really go through. So he's doing some side work, and John Ross and Jr. are having him followed now. Correct. John Ross is. John Ross. Jr. does. I don't think John. I don't think Jr. is in on that. Well, but. he probably is. Just so we're just, well, just to be fair. He knows, he, yeah. Well, because when they yeah. talk about it, like he knows about the claws, like he knows why John Ross would do that, but I don't think he knew that John Ross was doing it. Maybe. He knows everything. But, I mean, he knew why. We don't why, know that yet, though. But, yeah. yeah, but he knew why. And, I mean, and that, you know, brings up, like, a fun point between that conversation that we can get to because there's a great quote there that I love Which so I, I'm sure you wrote down or <laughs> have in your head somewhere. Yes. Perfect. So, yeah. Drew, though, he's transporting goods, mm-hmm. right? And this private detective is following him. And as <laughs> he says that he keeps – I love private detectives on these sorts of shows. But apparently he makes a stop at the same station every time he makes this, this And he trip. switches trucks. And he switches trucks. So he follows him, and while Drew gets out to use the restroom, he bashes out one of his taillights with, like, a golf club or something. I think it was a – what do you call it? It doesn't matter. It was a nine iron, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, I don't know what it was. I'm just making <laughs> I'm making stuff up. So he bashes out his taillight, which is the relevant part of the story, <laughs> Kelly. So he bashes out a taillight knowing that he's going to get pulled over, right? Uh, well, and hoping, tips, yeah. tips off the police, I'm sure. I'm sure something went down, the highway patrol or something. The funniest part about that whole thing is I did not expect them to pull out what they were I pulling know. So they pull him over and they ask for the keys to the back of the semi so they can see what he's, what he's like. First of all, they're like, where are your papers? He's uh-huh. like, I don't have any. They didn't tell me I needed any. Like, oh, you've yeah, never done this before. Done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they get into the cargo. And it looks like he's he's uh, transporting like appliances, like kitchen appliances or something. I think it was. Yeah, it's like well, it was auto supplies. I think auto supplies, yeah. auto supplies. That's mm-hmm. what it was exactly. And and they open up the first box, and the first box was <laughs> wasn't what was the first box? It was a purse. It was a purse. Purses, yeah. And, and the second I- box was high heels. I'm like of really everything they could have pulled out of there. I was not expecting yeah. <laughs> purses and high heels. I was expecting like cocaine or something. <laughs> Not high heels and purses. Well, I thought it was going to be something. Well, I mean, that definitely threw me. But I thought it was going to be something ridiculous like fruit or food or, you yeah. know, something like that. 
stuffed but, puppies or something. You know, with, I don't with know. With something like stuffed inside. I don't know. Yeah. But I was not expecting high fashion. Diamonds items. like stuffed inside like little teddy bears or something. <laughs> like on the Chipmunks film that came out in the early 90s. Well, see, he was a little bit <laughs> hesitant before he gave the cop the keys. Yeah. So he had to know what... I mean, I don't believe that he didn't know what was in there. I, I, I think that they, they, they played out that scene very well because I think mm-hmm. you can look at it two ways. You could... If I... If it were me, I'd be hesitant as well, even if I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. Whenever there's a cop near you, you know that feeling when you're driving, you see a cop behind you, all of a sudden you get scared, <laughs> and your like, butt cheeks like tense up, and you're nervous, and you're like, what? It doesn't matter what you're all You're not doing anything wrong like at all. Like, yeah. for murder or something. Yes, it's, it's, like, it's like being in junior high and like walking in front of a girl or a guy that you have a crush on, all of a sudden you, have, you can't walk straight anymore, and it's like awkward. It's one of those things where it's like you can't do anything about it. Your body just takes over, and you get nervous. And so I could think, well, maybe he's just nervous because the cops are pulling him over and he does have a past and mm-hmm. he's trying to change it and this is not what he needs right now or like you said mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing i don't know i would think because of that i would be so willing to hear here i don't know anything i don't know anything just to look as innocent as possible nope, not me i have a I guilty know. conscience always about everything and i have no idea why because i don't i'm literally i'm so nervous about breaking rules or laws or anything i got pulled over the summer for a texting while driving ticket i was looking at my gps and got pulled over for it Uh-oh. i was terrified i've been pulled over once in my life I was terrified. I don't like to break rules. Like, I won't even cross the street in, like, a residential neighborhood if there's, like, a crosswalk there and it's, like, a red light and there's no car within miles. I won't cross the street. I get scared. I'm weird like that. So I would I would have been nervous. You're a little, well, more, you're a little more badass, apparently. It wouldn't have faced you. I guess. I would have just been like, here, do what you got to do. I'm good. I don't know. I just think it's better when you act more, ca- you know, casual. Like, there's not anything wrong. Cool. So you're not, you don't look guilty, even if mm-hmm. you, I don't know, even if you are. You yeah. look pretty guilty, though. Like, I would assume that any... Nine times out of ten, whatever the scenario it is, you don't even have to tell me what the scenario is. I would just assume you're probably guilty. I probably am. You probably yeah. are. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I'm an angel mm-hmm. who doesn't know doesn't know uh, my Bible stories. <laughs> so he gets thrown in jail, calls yes. Elena, and she obviously runs out to go get him. And he's in there swearing up and down that he didn't know and this and that, which, that he's trying to make things right, which I think he is trying to make some quick money and he's just making stupid decisions. Yeah. I don't think he's learned his lesson in that regard yet. He, but he's, he is, his character is so funny to me because it frustrates me. And I think we all know people like him. Yeah. That they always have an excuse. Oh, absolutely. They always have an excuse. ever their fault. Ever, ever their fault. And that's frustrating. And for somebody like Elena, we also know people who like her. She's successful. And you don't need excuses when you do things the right way the first time. Right. If you live your life by that that rule, just do it right. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, you don't have to worry about the other stuff. Not him. He's constantly, and that kind of explains why he's always been. In trouble. Exactly. And kind of the outcast of everything. Yeah. I think he, he tries too hard and he stumbles so much that he gets himself in trouble. Yeah. He doesn't know how to just relax and just let it be. No mm-hmm. patience, I think, is the big thing. Hmm. I think he and John Ross have that in common. Yeah. So, Drew. I mean, we'll see what happens with him and if if, if that really is going to cause friction with Elena's deal with Sue Ellen. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, that's the goal here for John Ross is to get that deal and to make Sue Ellen call in that loan. Which is funny because Sue Ellen, last couple of episodes, has been a little bit more of a shark ever since John Ross went to her. And well, at the like courthouse, do you remember when mm-hmm. he when she witnessed Christopher and Elena's behavior, where Elena practically bumps into John Ross, and Sue Ellen was like, "Oh, you know, they're getting a little bit bold or brazen now." Yeah. With their, and he said, "You should, you should, you should see him at the office." 
and you she and says, energies. you know, I've got your back. I fully support you on this. So she's out for blood for this, you know, for her kid. She's so. definitely playing mama bear the last couple of episodes. Absolutely. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't make me really like Christopher or Elena all that much. I absolutely am not happy with their behavior at all. And yeah. Christopher's character is very annoying right now. It's funny. It's And this is where I see growth in Josh Henderson as an actor and the character of John Ross. Whereas last last season, he was very, very much in the shadow of Jr. Mm-hmm. And the way they're writing him this season and the way he's really stepped up to the plate is really impressive. Oh, absolutely. Jr. He's an icon. We've already we've already established that. But he's he's playing that part really well right now because he's going to have to step into that that part very soon. Oh, yeah. And and maybe maybe the way the show's written, they're kind of making Christopher and Elena the secondary characters right now for the time being out of necessity. They have to it, it, to give John Ross be. Yeah. The, the, the opportunity to grow into this mm-hmm. character. Um, because this first part of the season, the first five episodes, it's been John Ross all day long. Yeah. Which I like. It's funny, though, because he's doing what J.R. was able to do, what Larry Hagman was able to do. He makes you like him while you hate him. Exactly. That's cool. Everything that you do is so frustrating because he doesn't really have to be like that. But he, but he does because that's who he is. So, you, yeah, you absolutely love him and hate him at the same time. And there's a reason he does those things. Yeah. It's all out of this necessity to, to make his father proud and out of out of so many mixed emotions he has when it comes to his mother, Sue Ellen. Whereas Christopher is just the spoiled little brat who went away to private school and came back and now... He found methane. Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing with John Ross's character, too, is I think, yes, in, on one sense, he wants to impress his father. But then at the, at, at, at the same time, he wants to be able to sustain himself without him. Right. He wants to know that he doesn't need him. And, and he constant, I think that's a constant battle for him. Mm-hmm. And that's why he went behind his back to go talk to Cliff and his whole situation with Pam and doing that on his own. And Sue Ellen's very, very much aware of this all. Because mm-hmm. she goes to actual, she actually goes to JR and says, forgive your son. Yeah. Just forgive him. Take the high road. Exactly. Which, mm-hmm. if I could, if I could give anybody one bit of advice in life to always live by, it's take the high road. As hard as it is uh-huh. to get on that ramp, mm-hmm. it is so hard. Sometimes <laughs> your transmission go out, you get a flat tire, you run out of gas. Get on that ramp. Get on the high road. Yeah. Because it's it it really is just a rule to live by in life. I think, and Sue Ellen knows that, and she learned it the hard way. Absolutely. You know, and she's telling him she's like make amends. Because yeah. I think that they're not really talking about this season, but but Jarrah's health wasn't good at the beginning of last season. He was, right. you know, put away in a hospital. And I think she knows. She has that instinct. She knows. Her character knows that his time here is limited. Mm-hmm. Go forgive your son. Don't don't die with John Ross living with this 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 feeling inside of him for the rest of eternity that he can never be enough for his father. Right. That's a tough well, burden to bear. And when when JR finally does go and talk to him, the first thing he says is, I don't need your forgiveness. You know, because he has to be, you know, that little bratty kid that, you know, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. When you know deep down he does. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know how to show his, and rightfully so, the way he grew up. I mean, you feel for him and you understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, JR still goes and he's like, you know, well, I'm going to do it anyway, basically. Mm-hmm. And he tells him, you know, well, what's going on? Is there anything I need to know when he gets a phone call? You know, is there anything I need to know about about this? And and John Ross tells him, well, we found out, you know, Drew's in jail. He got picked up for, you know, smuggling stuff or whatever. And JR's like, well, there's the chance. There's a chance. 
And then, you know, John Ross, oh, you knew about that? And my favorite part is he was like, son, you still don't know who you're dealing with. But I can't blame you for that. But, I'm, you know, I can't, you know, you can't help that, but I'm going to forgive, you know. It's kind of like he's like, it's very condescending. He's like, oh, that's, yeah. that's cute. Nice try. Yeah, because he says, I, you can't, I can't blame you for that, but I'll forgive you. Yeah. Love it. The, oh, the eternal wisdom of J.R. Ewing. And it, it kind of, like, stops you. I mean, what is he going to say to that? Because it's true. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. He doesn't understand to the levels of how smart his dad really is. Like, he might be old, but he's not stupid. And he's not going to under- treat him as such mm-hmm. is just a, a big mistake on John Ross's part. And I, Well, I think it speaks to a general theme in society um, where people of our generation don't really have the respect for elders that, that maybe there used to be. Right. And I think that oftentimes you just assume somebody's 70, 80, 90 years old, eh, what do they know? Yeah. That's where the knowledge lies. They know a lot. That's where the knowledge lies. And I think that... That John Ross isn't really going to understand that fully mm-hmm. for years, years after Jr. Oh, was gone. Yeah, and and ugh. he said, oh, "What did he say when he's talking to John Ross?" I love this quote. I wrote down. He said, "We di- we dinosaur we dinosaurs are known to bite." Yes. What a snarky comment! But again, a perfect one-liner from Jr. Oh yeah. Dinosaurs bite. That's what he said. You know, he still thinks. You know, he doesn't need it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What about the Venezuelans coming back? Yes, I, let's talk about that briefly because that's it's and it, it's so interesting. As as Anne is on trial to go away, the Venezuelan has an extradition hearing. It's getting freed. Yes. To well, go, extradited. To go back to Venezuela and serve in there. Please. Like he's really going to serve any He's got time more in power in Venezuela yes. than, the, than the, what, the president or the prime minister. And it's a whoever. favor to the Venezuelan consulate. Like that's the stupidest thing ever. What do we owe them favors for? I know. They already win Miss Universe every three years. It's Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> That's Damn enough, them. Venezuela. That's enough. Like drug traffickers, the but Venezuelans. I love, I love the scene, though, when Anne is going the away final and scene. he's coming out. How ironic is that and how mm-hmm. heartbreaking that in the moment, in the exact moment. And this is what Dallas is really great at. And they've mm-hmm. done this really well this season in particular. That same moment as she's going into prison, he's, he's coming, coming out, out. And how awful that will be for the Ewing family. Oh, absolutely. Just like last week when Judith said how horrible it must be for you to know that your that your husband is going to rot in prison while Ryland is free. Yeah. You know, same thing. And they're really trying to get you to pull for the Ewing family now. Mm-hmm. I think as opposed to back in the day the Ewing's tended to seem like the bad guys a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't really right now. I'm really pulling for all of them even even John even Ross with the a internal little bit. struggles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I love that so much about this show. So, we're going to have to wait till till next week to see. I know. We saw some g- crazy previews about what the, the Venezuelans are not gone. Mm-mm. So, they're going to try to take over South Fork. So, I'm really excited to see it kind of uh, – it's scary. I well, want to see he, what happens. And he said when he looked at – was it Bobby? Bobby. He saw, he's like, this isn't over. No, we still have unfinished business. Unfinished business. Mm-hmm. That's that's Scary stuff. That's a lot to handle. And it's, it's funny that he's coming back in right now as – who knows if he'll actually end up in Venezuela. Or if he'll escape or what could happen. Right. Because somebody's going to shoot JR in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to. That that storyline is going to come mm-hmm. full circle from the 1980s. And that's going to be the way that Larry Hagman's character goes out. And anybody could be to blame. Absolutely. You know, so it's really exciting to see how they're going to play that. Um, what, what do you what do you think? Let's actually, let's just call this our prediction section. Okay. What do you predict is going to happen? Now. 
Let's say in the next couple of weeks, because we know in the next two weeks... Uh, we have the funeral. Yes, yes. Okay. What do you think is coming up? Like, after that? No, in the next couple of weeks. How do you think it's going to play out? Well, I heard a rumor, so okay. it's hard for me to have an unbiased... But I heard a rumor that how it's going to play out is that it's going to be... It's going to look like, anyway, a random mugging. And that's how JR goes out. But it's going to turn into a homicide investigation. And it's going to pinpoint these different people. And I think it's very much going to be like the who shot JR. Like it could be, it could be the Venezuelans. It could be Cliff. It could be Pamela. It could be John Ross. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I mean, how far is John Ross willing to go to protect Pamela? Because there's obviously some kind of love there. As the camera goes and he's trying to grab her hand and it shows her belly and all of that. I mean, are they going to come together and be a little family? What's the deal there? And although the you know Jr. doesn't like it, is that going to cause friction? So many different ways that it could go. Is it going to be an accident that somebody you know covers up to make it look, or is it Ryland? Well, that's really interesting because mm-hmm. I think that he, it won't be a mugging. It could that could be that's how it's going to look. But there's no way on earth that that, that Larry Hagman would ever even allow them to take <laughs> him out like that. So I, it, it, it's an interesting take on it, though. It's an interesting it's an interesting angle mm-hmm. um, to do another who shot Jr. or or who killed Jr. Maybe that'll be their tagline. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but it's really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some predictions in, in a different way. I'm gonna talk about um, real briefly. I'm gonna talk about um, Pamela mm-hmm. and Christopher. They're not done. No, they're not done. And it's so weird to see the way that John Ross is falling for Pamela right now, mm-hmm. knowing that she's carrying his nemesis, basically his arch rival's children. It's just a strange thing to think about. Well, and te- Having you know, sex with her while she's got your arch rival's babies inside. This is weird. <laughs> um, who, who, it's just weird. Um, who she's kind of related to anyways, because she and Christopher were kind of related, but not really in a strange, that whole connection it's, last year. It's, it's all, all very a lot. incestuous. But I think that, that, Christopher and Elena are very far from over because we've all seen it time and time again. What happens when, when a baby comes into the picture? You know, your first child, you saw how, how Christopher teared up. Yeah. Just from touching her belly. Well, and the fact that he's decided to go into arbitration and all of that. So we'll really, it's really going to test his relationship with Elena. And she's now come out in support. Uh, she testified on, in support of Anne, his mother, for all intents and purposes. Intents and purposes. And also, she's really started to soften up a little bit. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been so harsh in her attacks lately. And we'll have to see. Is that a tactic? Or yeah. is it really her true feelings? Which is going to, yeah. you know, that's going to be a good thing to see because she is very much... You know, just like our caller said, she's very much like at the beck and call of her dad. Yeah. And which he calls her after that, after the arbitration is set and applauds her for it and is proud of her for that. Yeah. And makes the comment, no emotion in that. Good job. Yeah. Which I think it was all emotion. I think her character is really interesting. I love, oh, I love it's watching. very multifaceted. I really like it. more So much more than Elena. And I think they're trying to with Elena, but I think it's kind of a one at a time thing. So we'll see. Jordana Brewster really, really peaked on what was was the movie, The Faculty, was that years ago? She's been in a few of them. Um, no, but I, I like I like all these characters and they kind of ebbs and flows and that's how a show like this has to work. Yeah. Um, do we have any do we have any news and gossip? How are the ratings this week? Did they go up again? They actually um I think they went up just a little. A little bit. But it's, it, I mean, it's not like a huge flux. Better to go up than yeah. to go the other way. It's very true. So cool. So cool. So, yeah. you guys. 
thank you so much for stopping by tonight, for watching us, for listening to us. We look forward to interacting with you guys again next week. Make sure you get on iTunes and uh, YouTube and leave us comments. We'll get back to you. Uh, Kelly, where can our fans and our listeners follow you on Twitter? You can find me at Kelly with an IE079. You guys can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore AJ Gibson. Uh, check out my website, AJGibson.tv. You can get connected to me that way as well. We thank you guys so much for stopping by. We look forward to doing this again next week. Take care. See you later. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz y'all later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 